Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball Podcast, where I interview guests that will teach, motivate, and inspire you to stop at nothing to fulfill your dreams. Today, I am joined by spiritual self-help guru, Alicia Pitts. She is an author, a speaker, as well as a mentor. Alicia overcame abuse and gun violence as a child. She was once a broken vessel, but now she is a useful vessel helping others become useful vessels. So, Alicia, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Curtis. Can you start off by giving everybody a little bit of background about yourself? Well, I always like to put it like this. Many gifts, much responsibility. I'm always a servant first. I love helping people. But a little bit about my background, um, I work for social services, in the Medicaid unit where I process applications for medical insurance. I am also the first and only Afro-American female police chaplain of the Millville Police Department. So I work alongside with the officers and I'm also a lead chaplain for Memorial High School in Millville as well. I am a mother. I have one child who is 28 years old. Her name is Tasia not married, and I live alone with my fur baby, my fur baby, Murphy, who is a Schnauzer Terrier. <laughs> yeah, I've had a part Schnauzer Terrier before. Those dogs are pretty cool. Yes. Well, tell us how you, what, what's your role as chaplain for the police department as well as the high school? Um, basically, it's to make myself available. I'm not there to proselytize anyone, but I'm there to make myself available. For instance, I, I do police briefings. I sit on those briefings, and then before they hit the streets, I usually give them a word for the day and prayer. I do ride-alongs also with the officers, and any type of community event that is going on, they usually call for the chaplains to come in, whether we are praying or uh, maybe they want some type of feedback or they just simply want our presence in those community events. We make ourselves available. Now for the high school, we make ourselves available for the students. So just in case the student doesn't want to go to the guidance counselor or talk to the teacher, uh, we make ourselves available to talk to the students. So I basically kind of like walk around in the halls and uh, mingle in with the students, maybe during breakfast or lunch, going in and speaking to those students as well. Well, this is just a side question. As a police chaplain, how do you feel about all the things that are going on right now and, and the way some people feel against police and how do you help combat that and participate in helping with that these issues that's going on today well now with me on the inside looking in it's just like anything else all cops are not bad just like all people are not bad 
And so what I actually am getting ready to do, the Lord say the same in October, I will be teaching the officers. I will be doing some diversity training uh, with the officers. So kind of excited about that, but just kind of giving them the feedback of what the community says. And then in turn, those that really don't know the ins and outs, you know, what an officer goes through, then I, I educate others. Cause like I said, now that I'm on the inside, I have a better appreciation for what they do. And so I remember when it was that season that every time you turned around, you know, someone was getting shot and and different things of that nature on, on the news and everything. And I started telling people, stop looking at the news because what it does, it, it creates a, a, a heightness, right? Where God forbid, if you did get pulled over, you didn't, you know, maybe it was a minor traffic stop, but now you all discombobulated because you've watched all of this stuff on TV. And so and it's the same way with the officers as well, because the truth of the matter is when a, a cop pulls someone over, they don't know who they are getting, right? It could be a minor traffic stop and turn into something else. So we have to look at it on both ends and in all our getting, get an understanding. Absolutely. So as much as you can talk about your childhood, I know in your bio, you went through some things and tell us how that led up to you doing all that you're doing now and focusing on helping, helping others. Well, simply put, I experienced a lot of rejection as a child, not from my family per se, but, you know, dealing dealing in school. And, it, and to me, it's, it's not something that is out of the normal for any child. I, I think at some point in time, most of us, we experience some type of form of rejection. But at the ages of 7, 11, and 14, I was molested. And then at the age of 14, I was held by gunpoint by one of my molesters. And so it was a a hard time for me as a child because I never really received the proper counseling that I should have received. I went to counseling, but the counselor never talked about the traumatic events. It was all about, you know, how I'm doing in school, you know, growing up in a home where domestic violence was prevalent. Of course, back then, they didn't have a name for it, but, you know, growing up seeing that in the household. And so at some point in juncture, I had to resolve in my mind about coming to a place of wholeness, you know, um, especially when it came to the molestations, because, you know, I said to God, you know, God, when I get married, I want to be completely whole. whole. I don't want to put this on my my husband who had nothing to do with the molestations that were done against me. I dealt with suicide ideation also as a child. And it, it came to the point where I had to not only love Alicia for who she was, but like Alicia for who she was. And once I came to that resolve in my early 20s, I continued to work on myself, you know, dealing with low self-esteem and, and those different issues that came into play amidst all everything else that happened in my life. And honestly, I can I can truly say that it is God who has made me who I am today. It is God who helped me to go through that transition 
from from being a victim to a victor, right? No longer surviving, but thriving in life. And I owe it all to God. So let's tell us about your books because you are a multi-author. You got several books. So kind of tell us about your books and how you got into writing and why you decided to write the books that you wrote. <laughs> and I know it's it's going to sound like, is it just that simple? But it, it definitely is when it comes to me. Um, everything I do, it is God inspired. I am spirit led in everything that I do. So the first book is entitled, Let It Go For Your Sake, Forgive. There's Another Way to Live, Keep Going Back to Love. And who better to write the book than, <laughs> than someone who has had to exercise forgiving over and over again. The next book is entitled Homosexuality is In, Heterosexuals Relax. And that is another part of my testimony. And I always just pretty much say it like this, this ex-gay to reverend. And that book is to educate the church and heterosexuals on how to be loving and supportive of those in the LGBT community. And those in the LGBT community, those who are seeking change in their lives, offering them sound counsel on how they can come out of the lifestyle. It is a book that bridges the gap. It is to bridge the gap to have a conversation. You know, we don't always have to agree, but we can agree to disagree. And at the end of the day, love is the bottom line. And so my most recent book, Memoirs of a Pastor, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, I'm Not Perfect, I'm Only Human, God told me, said, I want you to start with the bad. The bad is things that have happened in your life that you had no control over. The ugly is the choices and decisions that you've made in your life. And then the good is where you are right now. So those are the, the most three recent books that I've been pretty much promoting as of late. Well, let's, I got a question from that second book. How can someone, like you said, you're, you're trying to teach the church how to show love to people from the LGB community who are wanting to come out of that life and make a change. How do you go about doing that? Even though what the Bible says, because, you know, some people are just strict on that and they, they might run people off who want to make the change. But b- because of what, what the, or God made Adam and Eve, you know, h- how do you convince people to make that conversion and, you know, show some, give somebody a chance who would like to make the change without running them off? Well, one on, on, let me put it on the church side. We have to learn how to speak the truth in love. The truth of the matter is most people already know what certain things that are happening in their life that they should not be doing, right? No one needs to lay them on no psychiatrist chair and tell them what what it is that they are doing wrong. So now we have to focus on really having a just maybe even just a simple conversation. The, the key is building relationship. This is what Jesus did. He built relationship which open up the door to trust. When we build relationship with people, then people are more acceptable to receive our religious jargon. But you have to build a relationship. Every person doesn't need to be browbeated over the head with a Bible or a scripture. 
So that's on the church side. Now on the LGBT side, I've had people who just, they contact me out of the blue. I've, I've counseled men. I've counseled women. I've counseled people uh, that were married. I counseled people who just had same-sex attraction. They, they never had a sexual in, encounter with the same sex, but they have, they're dealing with the attraction. And, and, and the, those who want to come out of the lifestyle, they're starting on the good foot already because they have a desire to come out. And also they recognize that what they are in is wrong, right? Because that, that, that is right there is really the main key. You, you can't get delivered over something if, if, if you don't think it's wrong. So that, that is, is two key points is just having the desire to want to change and then knowing and acknowledging that homosexuality is, is a sin. And and so then the other thing I would tell them to do is to find a mentor, find someone who has been sure enough delivered and that that is can be an example in their local community. And honestly, it is it is something that is hard because when I was going through my deliverance process, I had no one. I had no one that I could go to. I went to leaders in church. And the truth of the matter is they didn't know how to deal with my situation. And so at that point, it had just I, it, I had to hash out my own demons between me and God. And so now I guess God said, look, when I deliver Alicia, I know that she will be unapologetic. I know she'll be unashamed and, and she will be my mouthpiece because there's many people that have been in the lifestyle and they have disassociated themselves from being in the lifestyle because they don't want nobody to know where they have been. And so I, I'm that John the Baptist, that one that is crying out in the wilderness to let let people know and give them hope that you can change. But it's number one, it starts with the desire Two, you have to acknowledge that it is a sin. And then there's some other steps that are in the book um, that I, I take them step by step through and um, also make myself available to to counsel people. Well, tell us what else you're working on in your busy life that people <laughs> need to know about and, and how you're helping other people being a useful vessel. Amen. God has allotted me. I have my own ministry, which is called Pauline Ministries. It is a outreach evangelistic and deliverance ministry. I am also an associate pastor of Dynamic Change Ministries. And the Lord say the same July 11th, I will be associate pastor of a Methodist church. So I'm kind of quite excited about that. You know, I, I minister to those part of our congregation. We minister to those who are in the homeless shelters, those who are dealing with some type of addiction or a, a touch of mental illness. So all lives matter. You know, people people say the same, but it is the truth. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white. It doesn't matter whether you are rich or poor. God loves us all the same. And, you know, we, we cannot ignore one another. And I always say it like this is better together. So what we have to do is we have to start with ourselves. Many times, and I, I say this like a broken record, many people try to save other people when they themselves need to be saved. You can't be a hero to somebody else until you, until you get straightened out. 
And, and I can go biblically where Jesus told Peter, he said, when thou art converted, go and strengthen your brother. And so that way we can have whole people helping whole people. And so, you know, I, I deal a lot with social issues and, and, and human rights because it is important. It is important. Well, give us where we can purchase your books. Give us your social media links and ways for people to contact you if maybe they need someone to contact. Well, they can actually, they can go to my website, aliciapitts.com, and that is A-L-E-E-C-H-E-A, he is in Paul, I-double-T, as in Tom, S is in Sam.com, and there is a free takeaway there. You can grab an ebook, and the ebook is entitled Learning How to Apologize. That is the other side of forgiveness, right? We we allow pride and, and entitle, entitlement to hinder us from apologizing. So there's an ebook on my website. If you plug my first name in, in any social media outlet, Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, Facebook, I will come up. And I always like to put this disclaimer out there. As far as I know, I'm the only one with the spelling of my name. And uh, you can plug, I'm in all of those outlets as well that you can get in contact with. Well, do you have any final thoughts just about anything about what's going on today about, you know, just anything that you would like to talk about? You know, our pastors do it. (laughs) Well, I just want to be an encouragement to your audience. You know, I know there's people they, they are, you know, have lost loved ones and, and, and some are what I call over grieving, right? They have lost someone and then it's like back to back they keep losing loved ones and so i just want you to be encouraged this is still a good year you know i always say it like this every day we wake up is a, is another opportunity to get it right so while we have breath in our bodies it is it is important that we take advantage of our time right we get 24 hours in a day and so the question is what are you doing with that time? Can you can you account for the time? Because some people can't even account for the time that they have spent. But it's just so important. And it's cliche, but it is so true that we should live every day as if it was our last days. And it's just so important that we, I, I, I like to use this acronym, WHEN. WHEN means what's important now. If your family is important now, then that is something that you need to be building upon. Because as we saw in 2020 and even in 2021, people are leaving here and and they're leaving here like never before. Right. The, The Bible tells us that it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. So we all got to leave here. But the thing is, I. I always say this, when when I die, when I'm on my deathbed, I want to die in peace, not having to say, can you get so-and-so? I need to get this straightened out. No, I live my life in such a way that if I feel as though that I offended you or I said something wrong, then I'm trying to get it straightened out before I go to bed at night. Because at the end of the day, when I die, I want to die in peace. And so I just want people to be encouraged. 
I have another saying, when you do what you can, God will do what you can't do. And so I want you all just to be encouraged, just to be encouraged and do what's necessary. And some things is just like practicing common courtesy, right? Practicing empathy, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And at the end of the day, we can get a whole lot more accomplished if we would bond in the spirit of unity. And it does, again, it doesn't matter whether you black or white, whether you are rich or poor, it is about us finding a common ground, some commonality. We may not agree on everything, but let's find some type of commonality and that be where we bridge the gap, the gap so we can move forward. So I'm just encouraging you and to move forward. I just don't want you to be inspired by what I'm sharing on today, but I want you to be motivated because motivation will move you to action. So the Lord bless and keep you is my prayer. Amen. And live inspired, live inspired. Well, that's what this podcast is all about. Teaching, motivating, and inspiring. Alicia, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Curtis. And listeners, please be sure to rate, share, review, follow after listening. And if you are an Android user, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.